So I come from a small northern town in BC called Willow River. We're about 30 miles from Prince George. So whenever I refer to Prince George, I always call it the town. It's a big town for me. If you're not familiar with BC, it's it's BC's northern capital is on the sign when you walk come in and there's a huge King Kong style man called Mr. PG that's made of wood that people have been burning down for years. So eventually now he's made of metal. You're listening to One Feather, Two Pens. Lessons and stories from Indigenous peoples building and navigating digital sovereignty. A special series on What's That Noise? Such a such a perfect stereotype, isn't it? It's like, well, that's what I bet you I could burn that down. Yeah, yeah. We built them up straw. Let's build them up straw first. Let's build them stone. Um, so that's where I'm from. I grew up in I grew up in the north. I grew up as a country kid. I, I still kind of see myself as a country kid. Uh, and um, yeah, um, that that's what I was going to do. And sort of how I got into tech was. Uh, I was, I tell this story a lot when I'm talking to uh, people in the North or just kids that are thinking about getting into tech or just people thinking about getting into tech because, uh, you know, I'm almost 50 years old. And when I grew up, we had gym class and then uh, the gym teacher reluctantly had a bunch of people come out and hand out pamphlets on what you're supposed to do. And some kids were reading pamphlets on like, you know, you're going to be a pilot or you're going to go um, work on computers or you can do anything. And I showed up late to the class because we were the bad country kids. And the only one left was somebody that used to work from my little town that worked in food services and said, you should be a cook and handed me the pamphlet. It was the only pamphlet left. <laughs> so I took it home and, you know, put it on my, we had, you know, those fake wood board <laughs> bunk bed room in up north. Uh, and put it on there over the weekend. And by the time I went into uh, school, because you had to write a report on what you're going to do, it's like, looks like I'm going to be a cook. <laughs> and I thought it was like, I just wrote it on that because I had the pamphlet and I ended up doing that job for 15 years. Wow. And, uh, Come on. You, so um, you're like a, almost like a success story of of that program that dictated your future you're like the one guy in that whole class that actually panned out yeah they're like it worked he was the he converted it and then i was on a i was on another talk and they said it sounds like pamphlets really dictate what you did because like when i decided to go when i decided to go into tech i was in whistler loving my life working at uh Chateau Whistler, it's a phenomenal hotel. Fairmont is an amazing employer. And I was flying, you know, uh, traveling all over the world uh, and living really good on a, a much smaller, uh, like uh, living on privileges because you have such a good travel budget. And I was like, mm -hmm. I'm going to do this the rest of my life. And um, somebody handed me a pamphlet that said Infotech the way of the future. <laughs> and then. <laughs> Two months later, I'm enrolled in this computer program that I'm, I can't do it. And you know, the election was just here in uh, for for the mayor 
And somebody handed me a pamphlet for counselor, and lo and behold, I voted for <laughs> him. So, so hand, hand me a pamphlet, and I'll get it done. You better hope that somebody doesn't corrupt me in some way with the with a bad idea, because I guess pamphlets really work for me. You, I don't know. You know I'm going to start a GoFundMe and just hand you a pamphlet, okay? Yeah, 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 yeah. Of all the possible outcomes that I, I could have imagined for One Feather, Two Pens, I didn't think that <laughs> handing pamphlet. Josh Nilsson a pamphlet would be the way to drive <laughs> oh forward. The defining <laughs> moments of... Uh, of our lives right yeah piece it's of paper like one feather uh two pens and one pamphlet for josh yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's right yeah, yeah yeah we'll call it a until three pager it, though yeah <laughs> one feather somebody, two pens and a three pager <laughs> until somebody said that out loud i was like no i don't really get converted from pamphlets in it. yeah <laughs> so that launches you into a, a new journey into tech yeah i went to so they had this program at Capilano College. Now it's Capilano University. So technically, I could say I went to university. Uh, or I could say I just went to college and screw university, depending on what crowd I'm drinking with. You don't need university. I just went to college. <laughs> and so they had this yeah. great program back in the day where a lot of people went to it. And it was meant for mature students. Um, if you had work, uh, you could do that. I did have a couple... Um, years of university credit where I I went to the community college university credit and in Prince George and did like two courses you know a year sort of deal and was eventually going to think about doing it but never got around to it and it was a 10-month intensive program that showed you um, back uh, in the early 2000s near 2001 that was about the way of the future information technology so you did a little bit of coding you uh, built websites in Dreamweaver, which you probably don't want to do anymore. You built games in Shockwave, <laughs> which you definitely don't want to do anymore. And you kind of learned the ways of of the web, everything from building an e-commerce site to to making videos. I was really interested in graphic design, and I was the worst programmer. I was the worst coder out of, out of all, everyone. So I ended up having to do the business development side of things, which is... Uh, where they put the worst coder in a group. (laughs) 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 The least terrified to talk to people. So I would go out for the practicum and go to like, uh, we did a lot of, I did a lot of the video editing that's still at the BC Sports Hall of Fame and the interactive displays. And we would pitch them what we're going to build them for free as part of our sort of working practicum. And then you build interactive websites and stuff like that. So that's kind of what I did for the, 10 months to get my two-year diploma. I just want to take a minute to uh, just acknowledge that we are all coming from someplace in this country that uh, belongs to the traditional people and is likely unceded traditional territories. Just want to take a minute to acknowledge uh, that. And wherever you may be in the country listening to this podcast, we are just uh, taking a minute to just acknowledge that we are here with you in your space, in your community. Uh, in your home, in those traditional territories in which you reside, and hands up and great respect to uh, to everyone there. And um, just taking a minute to to say thank you for the opportunity to be here with you today and share this space with you, and and uh, come at uh, this interview and and this conversation from a good place. Uh, and hopefully, we leave the table better set than the way we found it in the context of lifting up our people and and just getting a better understanding of the places where we work, where we live, uh, and where we have fun. So thank you, Gela Kesla.
Josh, by every measure, you are successful. I mean, uh, Eastside Games has you know, launched several world-class uh, games, tra Trailer Park Boys, Greasy Money, RuPaul's Drag Race, Superstar, The Office. You are an uh, in industry champion uh, when I think about the impact that could be having on uh, young Indigenous people and their and their, uh, you know, First Nations, Indigenous, uh, Métis, Inuit folks, and their kind of realization that they could they could be part of this space uh, and share this awesome te technological journey, if you like. Where where is your head at when you think about that kind of impact uh, you're having or could be having in, in that space? But when you say it like that, I'm like, I want to meet this guy. Like, <laughs> Here's, a <pamphlet. laughs> Here's a pamphlet. Here's a pamphlet. <laughs> if you have a pamphlet on this, I'd like to see this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's unreal. I mean, it's, it, it takes, so I think one of the advantages I have is I come from a small, uh, town and really when you're rallying in a small town, everyone's behind you. So it's your yeah. family, it's your friends and everyone's supporting. I have a very supportive, uh, amazing wife that supports me and my kid really knows what I have to do. And, it's kind of been heads down hard work for nine, 10 years. And mm. now we're starting to see some of that stuff come to success. Um, and whatever you determine success is, but you know, my real passion is just to, it's kind of weird. I know we talked about this in the, when we initially started chatting, but it, I think some of it's coming from where I was born, but also like how I was raised. I think unique some of the uniqueness for me anyways about being Métis is you kind of have a foot in both worlds. And I think one of those worlds is you should step up and say what you're doing and everyone should see that. And the other world is let's keep it down. Like we don't need to draw attention. Let's just mm -hmm. do a good job and heads down hard work. So it's been, it's something I always think about, but it's something I always feel like uh, I didn't work this hard to not pay it forward. So uh, I wish somebody in that moment would have, you know, said, you can do anything you want. Because I really believe that's true now in the world we live in. Anyone could, anyone with a laptop and a phone could build something amazing that could reach the world. Like we have, even though there's a huge number of apps, like I just did a talk with Google Play and there's over a thousand apps every day. Wow. that are pushed oh, on Google Play and a similar amount on Apple, a little bit less, but every day. But the cool thing about that is a couple of them could pick up or if you decide to go into uh, like your podcast could pick up and go to the top of the charts or your TikTok could go viral or you can make a YouTube video that millions of people um, will see and you don't need a $10,000 budget to do any of that stuff. It's still possible to see growth because everything's becoming more and more accessible. And I think that's phenomenal. Do you think it's just like the the bravery of or the the bravery of taking that first step? I mean, I, when I think about potential barriers to entry for folks, sometimes it's just the absence, if you like, of that of readiness or acceptance or self-confidence if you like just to take that first step and do that crazy thing that you know you're going to love doing and to put it out there for the world to see so yeah it's i mean that's an that's something i think about all the time i think sometimes the barrier to entry is it could be environmental it could be 
the ecosystem around you. So for example, if you're launching a new startup or you're launching a new idea and you're doing that in in Toronto or Vancouver, or even some of the bigger cities like uh, Edmonton or Calgary that have a tech hub that you can go in and get a really cheap shared desk or sit in a coffee shop and do that, get that encouragement yeah. as a WeWork. It, there's just an energy about like, Uber for dogs? That sounds amazing. You should totally do it. <laughs> Pamphlets for dogs? Yes. Then we can get them, we can train them faster. Like people really, really pick up on that. But you know, uh, I think, I think where we're, I think where we're kind of, uh, falling short a little bit is we're not people that are successful are talking to the same group that are, that are in whatever your relative version of success is people that are, um, you know, successfully thinking of ideas and jamming together and working together are doing it in the same clusters. If that, and in BC, that's Vancouver and Victoria in right. a little bit of Okanagan. But if you're outside of those areas, um, there's little to no support and it's really hard to get traction that you just kind of go back to where, you know, so I think yeah. that's the challenge is to bring that messaging and to bring that, to bring that passion into uh, new places and to to have that that innovation for people to say like yeah you should you should do that or or um, I think remote work heart helps a lot silver mm-hmm. lining of uh, COVID if there can be one is we've shown as long as you have an internet connection and uh, a webcam you should be able to go and work anywhere so maybe maybe that will help. Whereas before we we're like, well, I can't hire somebody from uh, Queen Charlotte Islands. I can't hire somebody from Prince George. I can't hire somebody from there because they need to come into the office every day. We have hybrid work now, and it's pretty easy for people to be able to to work all over. Josh, I'm, I'm going to ask you a question, and I preface it saying I apologize in advance if this makes me sound very, very white. Um, the, 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 he's really good oh, at sounding I, really well. I, 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 I know, I know. I can't wait for the question. I, I know, I know. It's, it's, it's like, this may sound racist, but yeah. no. Like, Do you like, like Yellowstone? Because yeah. <laughs> I think it's awesome. The, 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 <laughs> this is going to go off the rails real quick. When a guy from Ontario, a white guy from Ontario sees kind of, uh, uh, reads the news about what's going on and 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 things along those lines. One of the things that we kind of get through rhetoric is a lot of people saying the way that Indigenous people are going to get back in touch with our roots is by falling back in love with nature and our former customs and and things about th- things like that. And and I look at that and I say, oh my gosh, look at all the barriers to that. That would be so hard. To, you know, you know things like that. And then I start to look at what you're doing and the success that you're having and, and the want to get more Indigenous people involved in, uh, in in tech and become more tech savvy and and stuff that Lawrence is doing as well to to, to kind of get more of a digital uh, a digital fingerprint and, and things along those lines. It feels almost at times like what you're doing is almost kind of the anti-narrative of what maybe a lot of us, like I said, white people in Ontario are understanding as to what the goal is for 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 indigenous people it do you see that as a barrier that there's this want to say oh my gosh we got to get more in touch with the land we got to do this we got to do this oh yeah and by the way we're going to be more tech savvy which is kind of the furthest thing away from what a lot of us picture as kind of the indigenous kind of culture and the get back does that make sense am i is my question making sense yeah i i think i get you i mean 
that's that's a big question. But I will say, like, one of my goals is to so in BC alone, like in BC, I think the first challenge is there's not enough Indigenous people in tech. There's uh, you know less than one percent of people that are in tech right now, and that's not saying they're that's the stat is there's not people that have identified as indigenous in tech. Not that there's not that many. There's still a problem with not as many indigenous people in tech as there should be. Uh, but the challenge is that we haven't made comfortable environments for people just to work in tech. And I think my goal that, you know, if, if I were to put a goal and say, like, what would you like to see the tech ecosystem? I hope one day in tech we can just have, like, people feeling comfortable working in tech and and there doesn't have to be that that preface on it, you know. You can just be. Oh, I got you. I got Josh you. working in tech. You know what I mean. And I think I think having more people that are successful in the space um, is is a great thing. I think encouraging more people to get into the space is a, a great thing as well. And also, um, it's I think companies have to do a lot of work to educate themselves. I mean, the term. For me, anyways, and everyone has a different opinion, but for me, anyways, the term uh, indigenous is a term that is is a, a huge term that accompanies uh, all of the Inuit people, uh, all of the Métis people, and all the First Nations people. And if you unpack either of those verticals, it's so many different cultures within that. Uh, a lot of people that, that don't even get along <laughs> <laughs> or, or they get along when, when, like, get along and then don't get along. But it's it's like, it's such a blanket term right. that I think goes back to, I mean, I'll come back to your show to talk about, you know, when you have your colonization show, I'm happy to come back on and talk about <laughs> yeah, that yeah. stuff. But, I mean, that's kind There's of... There's no confusion on that whatsoever. We could never do a show about that. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, to me, that's, that's the term that is, that's the term that I see... Um, confuses a lot of companies or yeah. uh, organizations because it's it's such a huge term it's like it's it's like saying you know all of all of your all of europe one of you say what you would like right <laughs> okay right, you're right. all in agreement yeah. good <laughs> yeah like yeah. it's it's just such a huge even within our own province of bc or even within ontario there's all these different groups and we're all like part of this term and or but we're we're unique and different and uh i think that's hard to unpack because i think a lot of times companies want a box that they can tick off right and say all right we're good Uh, and it goes deeper than that and i think intentions are good but i'm not a hundred percent uh on people want to do that work so i kind of pull back on that a lot Mm -hmm. and try to focus on the first problem and about getting more indigenous people in tech, right. lifting up people where I can and, and helping where I can. Sometimes it feels like, uh, I don't even know if I'm helping, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I, I try to move forward and hope that it does. You know, there are all these things, whether by accident or design that either are designed to keep us out or just by accident, their very structure keeps us, keeps in, you know, First Nation, Indigenous, Métis people out of play. How do you, how do we as folks who are 
kind of leaders in this space trying to have this conversation in a good way and make space to invite our people into play and work and, and be a part of this industry and, and this sector. What are the what are the messages you're sharing with them to light that fire uh, of passion to be a part of to be a part of this tech space? Oh, well, is there a pamphlet handed to me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got to start investing in pamphlets. <laughs> right. yeah, yeah. We found the one guy that actually reads pamphlets. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. It's all on my side of the desk. <laughs> well, what I always say is, uh, you know, when we go to uh, Imaginative every year, we've been a sponsor for three or four years. Tremendous festival. If people haven't mm -hmm. gone, you should go look at what's online, digital, or go in space. Is is uh, go and learn. And, and, and I love learning. And I think I'll spend the rest of my life learning about um, uh, Indigenous people. And there's so much to learn. And it's exciting. And I think it's a great opportunity right now, like, about um, all these new, like, I think there's a great opportunity, but there's a great um, passion for it, if you want to build a business on it to uh, for that to be an authentic experience that people haven't haven't learned. I mean, think about video games or think about movies, and we always only see it from one side. Mm -hmm. And wouldn't it? It's to me, it just seems way cooler to see it from the other side. Like I want to play Red Dead Redemption, but not as a cowboy. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And I also want to experience art and cinema and video games but break like i think the first people to break that those um tropes so it doesn't have to be like you see a guy on the prairies and you're a cowboy and he has a feather mm. what do you do it's like well i better shoot him <laughs> right like he, he might just want to talk <laughs> uh, but but that's how it is right in every oh, game yeah. or every every it's movie so that true. you see Imagine, though, if you can have an interactive piece where you can learn that and you could ask questions and there's no stupid questions. It's in a safe environment. And you could learn about those things. I think that's amazing. Like, I really enjoy that. But I think the public would. And I think looking at some some looking at how successful Prey was uh, was amazing. I know so many people that watch Reservation Dogs and they love it and to like enjoy it in uh the learning the culture but being invited in i think that comes natural to indigenous people to invite you in and say hey look at this this is great be part of this with me see this and everything from technology i think can be a great provider of that i mean if you have an authentic story i think now more than ever is a time to tell it whereas maybe in the past it wasn't and you'd have to tell a story that was non-authentic it's a market that's that only going to grow it's familiar because it's always been here you just never noticed it i don't know if it goes along with it but i also sometimes are I'm hesitant and feel like a level of guilt to be like talking about where we're pushing forward and mm. we're trying to grow this but just because you're successful or your version of success doesn't mean you can't lift up lift up other people like i i was a nominee for uh, BC Tech uh, Person of the Year. I won that this year. It's a nice. peer chosen award. I'm very proud of that. But I was most proud that, um, you know, Melanie Mark sent me a, 
uh, thing from the legislation from the government. At first, I was like, Jesus, from government, what is this? And I at it. <laughs> it, it's like a pamphlet because it's like a folder. <laughs> open, so I was really interested. Very excited. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, she just put some really nice words in there that, you know, were encouraging to say, like, this is exactly what, like, this is what you need to do so other people see this. And this is, mm-hmm. you know, one of the first steps where, where we need to talk about we need to talk about the successes as much as we talk about all the other stuff. It's all important, but we need to talk about some of the successes and uh, rising tide lifts all canoes. So it's like, like if, if somebody else is having success, let's lift them up and champion that and do that. And let's keep doing that. And let's, let's, uh, let's keep the conversation going. Uh, I'm curious what, what sort of things come to mind for you about what tech companies and the tech sector could be benefiting from by including more young indigenous people? Well, I think it's, it's, um, you know, indigenous people of all ages, because one of the, one of the great things about tech is, is we're a lot more adaptable. Like you don't need to go out in the field and, and uh, you can, you know, you're sitting in a chair most of the time. Uh, You can work from home. Um, It's very flexible. We can work with people. Uh, all over Canada, wherever they're at. And I think that provides an amazing opportunity. But I, I just think it's about point of view and learning and and diversifying your company. I really think diversified teams uh, produce a lot better. And I still think there's a lot of learning that needs to happen, including with myself. And I think well, when companies really decide that that they want to work on this they want to have more indigenous people working with them it's it's a lot of work and you have to be prepared to put in that work and i think that's really good for you in order to do that uh even with some of our like uh indigenous streetwear we work with uh uh, we did a couple collabs with section 35 it's phenomenal company to do some collabs with us and there's a lot more work uh to go into to really understand uh what they're building what they mean and how that fits into you as a company it's not just like you go and order some units and then send it off and then do that there's a there's a bit more of a process involved but i think it's an important process and it's a process that uh it's a learning process for our team as well um to figure that out and for me to to start talking about that because if you don't do that process then what happens is we we do business and i think business in its very manner is a very like colonialism thing i mean i think it is because now i'm on a board of directors and i'm like why are we talking like we're british lords like i don't understand like <laughs> oh, here you bring it to uh, order and can i have one person say they're starting the meeting it's like yes we're already starting the meeting why are we why are we talking like this like i second it i second it yeah. we're wearing, wearing these white wigs while we're doing wig. it. <laughs> <laughs> and and for me that's just like really baffling because i'm like i don't know anyone that talks about this like maybe maybe this is what you learn in your first two years of university is all this like <laughs> oh sorry i've got house of lords at uh 10, 10 o'clock so I can't go. Uh, and 11 o'clock we learn peasant talk i'll be there as well i'll see you there sir <laughs> but if, if you don't so if you don't go through those learning processes and you don't have a comfortable environment where um, 
you can uh, kind of explore that. Then I think what happens is, if you mean to or not, the most meaning organizations is you create an environment that isn't welcoming. You're using maybe some language that isn't offensive, but it's it's not welcoming. Some of our sayings uh, are just like what you say in tech. It's like, hey, we can't say that anymore because it kind of means this. I don't like this. Or, or say you're celebrating certain holidays, but not other holidays. That can be quite offensive, right? So you really have to learn about that. And that's just like 101 to figure out what that is that a lot of people kind of know that, but maybe don't. Like if you're new to an organization, you're not going to correct your CEO to say, hey, maybe, you know, if it's, if we're doing this for Canada Day, we should maybe do this for uh, Indigenous Peoples Day. Like you're not going to correct your CEO doing that, but you're also sending a message that, that for some people isn't welcoming. If I'm playing a video game and I'm a cowboy and I see somebody coming towards me that would be a native, my first instinct would be, oh, that's the bad guy that I'm supposed to shoot, right? And I couldn't imagine being on the other guy, uh, other side of things if I was an Indigenous person told, here's the game that we're playing. All right, the good guys are wearing cowboy hats, the bad guys are wearing feather headdresses, and how insulting that would be to the whole culture, right? But it's totally, again, that's kind of totally hijacked my my brain of the Western influence of kind of what that story was, was the good guys or the cowboys trying to bring in technology, the bad guys or the First Nations people that are trying to impede progress, right? Yeah, so thank you so much for opening my eyes to that because I, I quite frankly, I'm embarrassed that I never saw it before. No, you, no, you could add in the Métis people, you don't know what side they're on, but you just don't <laughs> want to go near them. They're wearing like <laughs> raccoon hats and uh, shooting everyone. Yeah, Louis Riel, I, I learned a lot about Louis Riel. Do I need to know anything else? <laughs> that, that was about you, it, right? You need to learn, don't, don't trust John A. McDonald if he invites you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> he yeah. invites you to a party and a dream, just say no, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny is i was uh i was playing dungeons and dragons with my son last night and we're on this quest right he's the dungeon master too right so he's he's 11 and we're on this quest and uh we meet this stranger on the trail and uh and i have him describe the stranger to me and uh, you know it just he, he immediately kind of a whole bunch of triggers and my my first re my my response was to kill the stranger <laughs> <laughs> So I go to kill the stranger and, uh, and of course he fights back and, and just wipes me out in one roll of the dice. I'm not sure if you are with Dungeons and Dragons, but one roll of the dice and I'm on life support. And afterwards, after we finished the quest, he's like, why did you do that, dad? Like if you would have been, a, if you would have collaborated and partnered with this guy, we would have got to the, you know, to the, to, to the dragon battle, which was the whole, you know, which is the kind of higher, higher, higher level kind of end point here in this, this part of this Dungeons and Dragons program. And, and I was like, here's my son calling me out on, <laughs> on 11, you know, 11 years old. Uh, you know, it should have been more collaborative, should have been more open and receptive to this character. But just the way that this character was described to me, a whole bunch of triggers, right? I was like, no, can't trust, can't trust yeah. white strangers. Gotta kill him. Gotta kill him. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta kill him. <laughs>
There's no gray area either. It's like, <laughs> no, I can either yeah. collaborate or kill him. There is no just walking <laughs> that's away. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm five minutes into the game. <laughs> you're, you're, you're game over. You're game over. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, you better watch the hockey game. All right, we're done here. Brilliant pamphlet. <laughs> In the pamphlet of life. <laughs> I mean, just uh, my advice is, is uh is pretty boring and whenever i give it uh you know uh if i'm giving an interview i'll see somebody's getting ready to write it down and then when i start giving it it's so boring they put down the pen and they're like i thought it was going to be something else to to do what i needed to do in the hotel business um and i I wasn't qualified to do there and i wanted to uh eventually i I wanted to go from being you know self-taught line cook to a chef I never achieved that, but it was every day being the first in the kitchen, being the last one to leave. And it took four or five years of work to be a kitchen manager. Uh, then I continued on working at that. And to work in tech, it was, you have to be driven. If you're not privileged enough to go to university or to have a connection, the only way that you're going to be successful is to outwork everyone. And it's not... It's not thrilling. It's not sexy. It's heads down. Be the first one in and the last one to leave. Be determined. Ask lots of questions and just have your eye on the prize. And you know, I really believe that. Like just pinning that uh, down and putting that up, and wherever you wake up in the morning and saying, you know, in five years I'm going to work at a video game studio, and every step I take is going to go towards that, um, and map that out. It takes a long time. And the advice I always give that everyone says, I guess, sucks is is what's your what's your key to what's your key to working in tech or to have whatever you measure as success in tech and it's like work really hard for seven years and you'll have one small step forward so it takes seven years to be an overnight success and now right now we're in very challenging times in tech and it's just to continue driving forward and make sure that you're focusing on what you need to focus on and what you don't need to focus on you got to put that aside but you can't have both. You you can't have all the uh, excitement of what you want to do and be successful in this. I think you have to find those levers to pull so you could be successful in one go forward. Josh, take us out with what's coming down the pipe with uh, ESG. We're building some really cool things. Uh, we're building some really cool tech that's going to hopefully help independent uh, developers or small studios uh, build games, uh, build a measure success for their games. And then in addition to that, we have some really cool projects that uh, we're getting ready to uh, launch. And then, and then my passion is I just want to get as successful as possible so I can continue to disrupt the industry. I, I think the industry needs that. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Awesome. Thank you, sir. Really appreciate you taking time with us today. Alec Kessler, thank you very much. Merci.